What's going on, y'all? Welcome to episode 21 of the Half Price Concessions Podcast, 2020 Season Outlook with Buddy Payne and Tyler Williams. First and foremost, thank you to everybody and anybody who has listened to any of our podcast episodes before, or if this is your first one, we sincerely appreciate you being here. Every listen matters to us, and we thank you for it. We appreciate you taking the time to listen to us. Do us a favor. If you're listening to this podcast on a podcast app like Apple Podcast or Pocket Cast or Spotify or Stitcher or Overcast, whichever one you're listening on, do us a favor. Leave us a five-star review or a five-star rating. Leave us a review. And even if you just want to leave a one-star and a bad review, anything you leave us will help us out a ton in the search column just to help get the show to more people. And we'd really appreciate it. It'd mean a lot to us. The 2020 season is basically already here. Some series have already getting are already getting started. But me and Buddy take a look at what we call kind of the big six. From NASCAR's Cup Series to the Formula One cars to IndyCar to the World of Outlaw Sprints, the Lucas Oil Late Models, and the World of Outlaw Late Models, we take a look at each of these six divisions of racing and give an outlook for 2020, who we think is going to be hot, who we think is going to be the champions, who we think is going to make some noise and make some headlines. We expand on our wide range and wide taste of motorsports all in this episode. So let's go ahead and get right to it. Episode 21 of the Half Price Concessions Podcast, the 2020 Season Outlook with Buddy Payne and Tyler Williams is coming up in just a few moments. This episode of the Half Price Concessions Podcast is brought to you in part by our friends at Performance Center Racing Warehouse. Located in Statesville, North Carolina, Performance Center Racing Warehouse provides racers with just about everything you need to go asphalt late model racing, including being the home of the PRW chassis. From a full-blown fabrication shop to services that can help you get your race car reclipped if you've been in the wall one too many times or you just need to get your racing program straightened out. Give Roger Johnson and the folks at Performance Center Racing Warehouse the chance to earn your racing business by calling them today at 704-838-1400 and visit them online at performancecenter.com. That's P-E-R-F-O-R-M-A-N-C-E-N-T-E-R.com. We'll start off with the 2020 preview of uh, Formula One. Kind of what we're going to do here, folks, is uh, as we outlook on the season, we're going to pick who we think is going to be the champion of each discipline, uh, who is a dark horse to either win the championship or at least to keep an eye on, and a bold prediction. doesn't have to necessarily be centered around a driver, but just something that we're predicting for what will be for this upcoming season. And, buddy, we'll start off with what you and I, I think, we don't agree on a lot, but I think we both agree that Formula One is the premier level of racing in the world. It costs the most money. It's the most technical, as your dog tries to eat our microphone. Um, but it is it is just it is it is incredibly technical. Road courses, street courses. Um, it has the most prestige. It definitely has the most money, not just in the pits or the paddock, you should say, but as far as the people to go to watch, like. You want to see some money? Look at Monte Carlo when they do the little panorama shot around at all the boats in the dock. As far as worldwide, Formula One is king. So um, Yeah, when you're driving yachts to the race and 
whatever, I mean, you're spanning all these different countries and the leaders or presidents or whatever of that country are showing up. Um, you have tracks that are purposely built just to have a Formula One race there, like Abu Dhabi, uh, for example. Yeah, it's, I, I try to uh, relate it to, you know, your average sports fan with soccer. You know, soccer's not big in the United States, but it's the biggest, you know, uh, sport, sport in, in the world, world really. Yeah. I, I mean, look at the World Cup and all the numbers and everything that it brings in. But nobody, it's not that popular here in the States. And same thing with Formula One. It's massive. You go outside of the U.S., it's massive everywhere else. It's just not that big here. I think it's getting a little bit of an audience, though. We have an American team, and now because technology is what it is, I mean, we can watch a Formula One race here like it's nothing. I think I think the main thing that throws it off in America is the, the time because it's not East Coast-centered time. It's usually – you're waking up early in the morning to watch it or you're watching a replay or something. But Formula One is the big daddy. Yeah. Just one other thing to tie in on that uh, with Formula One gaining popularity. The ESPN thing's really helped. But finally building a, a track that can handle Formula One crowd at Coda, uh, you know, down there in Texas. Because, you know, previously they're just doing these makeshift tracks. They, they attempted the road course in Indy, uh, Indianapolis a couple of times and whatnot. And, and yes, you know, They had a big debacle about tires there one big time. Big debacle about tires. That? And, um, I mean, obviously that place can hold, you know, a quarter million people in the stands. But, you know, it's known for the Indy 500. So we need to leave it as its own. So finally, the United States having its own track. And Coda is a beautiful track. And now, you know, IMSA and some of these other series are running there. So that's really helping as well. So Formula One kicks off on March the 15th. They go down under. They start their season at the Australian. Grand Prix and just right off the top buddy you've you followed Formula One longer than I have is that kind of the traditional thing to start in Australia or is that just kind of a recent thing uh it's it's kind of more recent but they they have been at that track uh several years in a row now so it, it works the weather uh cooperates with it to work um and it, it just it's a big draw uh and that's a good place you know for them to start it's been successful that they, they meant jaws um you know quite the crowd um it's you know kind of a bummer this year with all the the fires and stuff that they're having down there i'm sure that's going to affect it uh to an extent but yes australia has been an excellent season opener for them so we'll go bold prediction dark horse and champ and we'll ping pong back and forth so buddy since you're the you're more formula one uh, versed than i am what is your bold prediction for 2020 in Formula One, what what what's something you're looking for? My bold prediction is that you're going to see McLaren, uh, the drivers for McLaren are uh, Lando Norris and Carlos Sainz. I I believe you're going to see McLaren make the podium multiple times. Now that Finally. may just be two. They've been a little dry that, lately. That may just be two, but multiple times. Carlos Sainz did get one this year, and that was after a penalty uh, was given out. Uh, to a driver, uh, uh, Charles Leclerc, that finished in front of them, had a penalty, so it bumped him up to on the podium. But um, they're making strides, and they're starting that path back to being what McLaren once was. Um, and you've got two great drivers there. Like I said, Carlos Sainz uh, finished sixth in the points this year. So in Formula One, you know, your top, your top dogs are Ferrari and Mercedes, and then a solid three kind of in the class of their own is Red Bull. Um, and then it's, it's really just the battle for the mid-pack right there. McLaren last year really set themselves as being the leader of that mid-pack. You know, um, they, their engines are powered by Renault, and Renault um, was right there with them. You know, it's kind of a 1A, you know, 1B kind of thing. But 
McLaren, um, you know, having that, – that was the first driver not for the other three teams I mentioned. You know, that was the highest finishing driver for them. So um, I really see their program making strides. They have a new car uh, designed uh, this year. Uh, excuse me, a new engine package, the same car design, but a new engine package this year. So I'm really curious to see how all that fits together. But I think we're going to see them, you know, at least – multiple times and that may be just twice but i think we're going to see them on the podium well i'm glad you came with something positive because i'm debbie downer i'm going down a negative road my bold prediction unfortunately even though i'm an american and i support a haas f1 unfortunately my poll prediction is seeing them slip further down the board and unfortunately they really don't have much further to go down the board <laughs> but just for where they came in where they were um how they had kind of been improving and stuff. And then last year it was just like a collapse. And it was, it was frustrating because I watched, uh, not only watching the racing, but I watched the series on Netflix that they did about formula one and Haas was one of the many teams they focused on. And it showed a season where they had been improving. You know, Kevin Magnuson was really establishing himself. Uh, Romain Grosjean, not so much. I don't have any faith in Romain Grosjean. I just don't, I don't see as much from him as I saw from Magnuson. Both of them struggled last year. The team struggled as a whole. Grosjean gets to come back again. I think if it was me, he'd already ran out of leash and he would already been cut and dry. They gave him, they're giving him another, another year. Magnuson to me is still kind of the head honcho of that team, but I just didn't see anything that gave me hope going into 2020. So I just don't – I see them kind of slipping further back. And maybe 2021 is with the way the rules package is going to come out, they'll get a little burst and get kind of back going right direction. But I just – I didn't see anything that gave me hope for the only American outfit out there. So, now that I've been Debbie Downer, we'll go down the, the dark horse path, something that maybe people aren't looking at to look forward to. So, buddy, I'll steer to you. Um, I For my dark horse, I did a dark horse pick for the champion – um, and this is definitely not not as crazy of an outside shot as you know some might think, but I really think Charles Leclerc get all the pieces together. He can make a championship run. Last year, um, you know, he's rookie and he's trying to establish himself on the Ferrari team, which their lead driver is Sebastian Vettel. And Sebastian Vettel, a great driver, but um, you can just see he's starting to tail off some. And Leclerc is the new young talent. And so within teams, there's some button heads. They took each other out at a race earlier uh, in 2019. And I think if, if he got the keys to that team, if, if you know he's able to be the torchbearer, I really, really think that he could uh, challenge Hamilton, who's you know had a lock on that series for so long. Um, the speed's there. Um, the equipment's there, and when he is running, very minimal, you know, mechanical failures and crashes. So he's a very smart driver for his age, uh, but he's he's Mr. Consistency. He's always there. He qualifies like a champ. Um, when he has had penalties or, or starting group penalties and had to start from the back, he's coming to the front. He's making passes the hard way, um, and he's also very good, very key in Formula One with their the way their pitch strategies and things are, are laid out. You have to be good at managing your tires, and he, he can push a set of mediums just as far as some guys can push a set of hards, which is very, very tough to do at some of these tracks. So um, I think if the pieces kind of come together, I uh, would not be surprised to see him battling there towards the end of the year. He's definitely the leader of the youth movement. I will, I will definitely put him – uh, in that one, he's a he's an incredible talent. Be interesting to see kind of what happens with Vettel going forward because Leclerc is definitely the future of Ferrari. Absolutely. My dark horse, 
actually spins off of your poll prediction, talking about a McLaren driver and Carlos Sainz, my dark horse for him is that if he can just clean up the DNFs, I think he's top three as far as end of year points. And and that's the pro- that's the thing with F1, whereas with some of these other series we'll talk about, they race so much more, but in Formula One, you don't have as many chances as even like a NASCAR. So any DNF hurts, but I mean, you get more than one and I mean, it just bogs you down. And when you're running against Lewis Hamilton and all these other guys, I mean, you can't afford DNFs. You literally just can't afford them. You can't have bad races. And also the only the top 10 are getting points as well. Exactly. So, th- so that's key. Um, and pretty much six of those top 10 are pretty much a lock every week. So realistically, all these teams are battling for four positions. Um, you know, and, and Formula One's one of the rare motorsports to where the manufacturer championship is as big, if not bigger, than your individual driver's championship. It, it's a big thing. You know, that's, you know, America, it used to really be, you know, Chevy Ford, that was kind of your big rivalry. It's not, that's dwindled down so much now. But, I mean, again, you go outside the States, it's still really big. You know, McLaren wants to beat Mercedes and, you know, Ferrari wants to beat Mercedes and things like that. So, I definitely am on the look for Carlos Sainz. I think definitely got the talent. Just got to clean up the DNFs. I think he can be a top three. I think him coming over to McLaren, I wasn't quite sure because McLaren lost Fernando Alonso a couple of years ago, and I think partly it was in due to their poor performance that he just kind of lost faith in the team. So I think he can be the one to kind of get back up their form. So then we get to the champion, and I have a really strong feeling we got the same champion I'll let you say his name first, then I'll say his second. <laughs> Lewis Hamilton will not be the champion when he says he's not going to be the champion. Exactly. He's just, <laughs> the record speaks for himself. The dude, he's, he's the best driver on the best team with the best equipment. It's just the perfect combination. Um, when you see him have a bad race, a bad qualifying, he's still somehow there at the end. Top five and top ten in them. But um, he's consistently going to be your win leader. Um, qualify, if he does have – any sign of weakness qualifying, I guess you could say that because he's not. It's not a guaranteed poll for him every week. Uh, but again, with their strategy and much to Leclerc being able to handle tires, Lewis Hamilton can do can push a set of tires further than any driver I've ever seen on Formula One. Um, as long as I've been watching, so as as long as he's in the sport, he's probably going to be your champion or battling for it. Then this year he can get that seventh title. Uh, you know, be right there with Schumacher. He's the best. He's got the best team, and he's the best driver. And it's this will be really interesting to go back in 2021 and just see how the rules package kind of pulls back some of that advantage him and Mercedes have gotten. But right now, they got him covered right. <laughs> like a like grandma's blanket. They they got you covered. So now we'll shift gears to NASCAR. Uh, they start their season February 16th, the Daytona 500. Of course, there's a couple races before the nine points and the qualifying races, but February 16th is the official start, Daytona 500. Um, bold prediction coming out. I'll, I'll kind of start us off on this one. With the rookies, there's been a lot made of the big three coming in for the rookie title. And there's more than three rookies, but you got Cole Custer with Stuart Haas you've got Christopher Bell coming up with uh, Toyota and he's going to be at Levine family which is basically Gibbs uh, light and then you have Tyler Reddick who is coming up in Richard Childress racing and and they had a big battle in the Xfinity series they're all moving up together my bold prediction is Cole Custer's got them all covered I think with the money that Ford has put in Ford has got an advantage over Chevrolet as far as uh, the aerodynamics are concerned. And until the new rules package takes place next year, 
with what they've got currently, I just think he's got the best situation. I think of the three of them, I mean, Seabell, it's it's tough because Levine, Levine's getting a lot of help from Gibbs, but it's still not Gibbs. Right. It's kind of like your dog if your dog don't live in the house. Your dog sleeps in your garage, and it's nice, but it's not quite the living room right. where mom and dad are staying. Tyler Reddick, I love his talent. Love where he come from on dirt. But RCR until RCR shows some improvement and some signs of life, I don't have confidence in the situation he's going to be in. So my bold prediction is Cole Custer has them both covered, gets the rookie of the year, even though I think like probably on the fan scale, he's probably third of the three. But as far as on-track on results, I think he transitions better, and I think he gets rookie of the year, and I think he makes the playoffs. All right. So there's my bold prediction. That is, that's a good one. Um, I will – of that rookie chase, I, the big thing I think that will help Reddick, yes, he's going to be at a disadvantage probably overall with the equipment – um, but two is it two straight Xfinity series? Yeah, yeah, uh, two, with different teams. Yeah, two different teams. So he he knows how to win. He knows how to be consistent. And you know you see this in like other sports. You know that football player who's always won in high school, always won in college. And he gets to the pros on the bad team, obviously because he's going to be really good on a bad team. But he has that winner's mentality, and I think that will help in certain situations. Um, to overcome what you may be lacking on the car uh, and the equipment side. So uh, that would be interesting to see. That's a good three. Uh, we'll see what happens. Um, my bold prediction for NASCAR is your 2019 champion, Kyle Busch, will not make the Final Four and be able to run to defend his title this Ooh. year. Um, yes, he had a very impressive run last year towards the end of the year, but uh, I think there's a couple guys out there, um, speaking with the DNFs from the F1 side of things, you know, chop down on those DNFs, and that's two more spots that would have been taken over in that Final Four. So uh, Kyle Busch has been in it a long time, so uh, you know he's not going to you know, take a year off like some guys do, You know, not focus as much this year. He's a very hungry driver, and he wants to set records and break records and all those kinds of things. But I think this year we're going to see him we're going to see him slide just a little bit, and uh, he will not be able to run. He will not make that Final Four to be able to run for the championship. The pack catches up yes. to Kyle Busch. Uh, Dark Horse. I am going with Ryan Newman. Newman made a very interesting move uh, the previous year. He had gone from Richard Childress Racing to Roush Fenway, which was kind of seen as like a boneyard because Roush Fenway had just been on the struggle. Ricky Stenhouse and Trevor Bain had just had been abysmal on the cup side. Um, it had gotten so bad where they pulled Matt Kenseth out of retirement to run some races <laughs> in the six. And then Newman comes over and you're like, okay, is it really going to see much improvement? And it really did. He was 15th in the points last year. He got Roush back into contention, got him into the playoffs. And I think the biggest thing for Newman is he takes care of equipment, whereas Trevor Bain and Ricky Stenhouse were, I mean, they were tearing up cars. And when you're constantly having to replenish car inventory as opposed to fine-tuning on arrow and and setups and stuff it, it makes a difference even at that level and newman gave him that and um it's going to be newman in the six they're bringing chris busher over chris bush is another guy that takes care of equipment so i think not only is roush going to continue to improve but I, I i see newman getting into the kind of that final eight that they do i don't like the elimination style playoffs <laughs> but with just the way they do it, I see Newman kind of getting into that top eight and just seeing an improvement and just a further reminder, I think, to these cup owners. And it might not be such a good thing that 
you got to have guys that can take care of cars and not wreck race cars. They, they can have talent, but if you're constantly tearing up equipment, it sets your team really far back. And that's not the only reason Rash fell behind, but it, it certainly didn't help. So Newman pushing Rash further in, gets into the top eight, and Roush continues to improve. And I think that's just good for the sport. Absolutely. Newman's a smart driver, no matter where he's been, and uh, he's conscious of what's going on. He's not going to force that 12th place car into the top five. You know, he's, he'll be happy with his, you know, 10th or 12th there and move on to the next one uh my dark horse is actually hopefully you're proud i'm taking your man mr uh keselowski um i see him contending for the championship next year um for dns really and that really hurt him this year in uh or excuse yeah. me, last year in the 2019 season and i mean we cut that in half he's in the playoffs and you know probably contending there towards the end he did have the three wins last year so um i think he's He's a guy that I don't I don't think he craves the spotlight, but he wants to be talked about. He wants to be up there with you know your Kyle Bushes and Kevin Harvick's and things like that. And um, you know that's a, an iconic team, iconic paint scheme, iconic uh, just and, and has been around so long. And, and he, he's another good consistent driver. He doesn't really force the issue too much. But I think um, they'll kind of sure up the DNFs. He'll be a little more consistent, and we'll see him in the final four. So for the champion, I'm actually taking Brad's teammate, my wife's favorite driver. Who apparently, no matter what NASCAR fan I talk to, everybody hates this guy. <laughs> and that kind of makes me like him a little bit. I'm taking Joey Logano to win the championship for a couple of reasons. One, Joey's already won a championship. So he kind of he knows what to do in this particular system of points to get the job done. He's with Penske, and Penske is always going to have – Penske doesn't have loose ends. That's just an organization, whether it's – no matter what level of racing they're at, they're just they're professional. They know how to get the job done. They know how to put their drivers in contention. And they had a crew chief shakeup at Penske. They actually have now paired Joey Logano with Brad Keselowski's former crew chief, Paul Wolf. And I think they're really going to mesh well together. Paul is a very good strategy crew chief. And Joey, through his maturation, has become a better dr- a driver that knows how to buy into the strategy as far as applying his talent. So I think he gets forward back in there, gets the championship. And I mean, he can, he can do good at Phoenix, which is now where the last race of the year is going to be being paired with Paul Wolf. I just see nothing but good things. I think Joey Logano gets his second championship, uh, for Penske, uh, his second for Penske. And I think that's going to be Penske's third, I think. Yeah, because last he gave him one, this will make two with Logano. Because I keep forgetting he never won one with Rusty. Yeah. Everybody thinks he won one with Rusty. He's like, no, he was in the Kodiak car. That's right. That's I'll right. take Logano to win a championship in NASCAR. All right. Uh, my champion will be uh, the closer himself, uh, Mr. Kevin Harvick. That's your driver. Well, used to be his driver. Used to be. When he put that blue oval on the front, that's when I lost <laughs> everything. Um, yeah, I think uh, Kevin Harvick, I mean – look over the past several years i mean he's always there always in contention did win the championship he is very consistent uh he just he's got phoenix down pat so like you said being the final race of the year i think that really bodes well for him yeah, i mean he he was good at homestead but i think phoenix is that i mean that's right in his wheelhouse so um i, I'll, I will see uh kevin harvick back in on top all right so and again nascar like formula one we're looking ahead to 2021 and a whole new rules package. I think just to kind of speed bump on this before we get to IndyCar, I think you're going to see NASCAR do a lot of the things 
they're they're leaning toward a lot of the changes that Formula One's going to put in. Like Formula One's putting in like that spending cap and some other restrictions to try to tighten it up between your 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 big teams and your smaller teams. NASCAR is going in the same direction. I would not be surprised if they just copy and paste a lot of these new sections in Formula One's notebook. So I think when we come back in 2021, this is going to be even more interesting to see how these two versions of racing change because these are drastic changes that will be happening in both sports, not just to the cars, but also to the way teams run their businesses. And we don't even know if any of it's going to work yet. You know, we've seen in the past on these motorsports, uh, you know, the different bodies, like they try, you know, these big major changes instead of small changes, building yourself up. And sometimes it doesn't always work out. And so it hurts teams or your your top teams, it doesn't affect them whatsoever and nothing really changed except for the look of the car or maybe how it drives a little bit. So I'm hoping what they're building and what they're designing all this stuff to do does come through and we see that gap close and, and we actually have some good parity and some good racing. So now we've gone open wheel, we've gone fender, now we're going back open wheel and we are going to talk about IndyCar. IndyCar starts their season on March the 15th with the Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg, which, to clarify, that's not Russia. That's <laughs> Florida. <laughs> IndyCar, I don't think IndyCar goes, do they go across any borders? They don't race in Canada or Mexico? No. Uh, I think they maybe no, use Canada, um, maybe, but no, they don't race. Everything's yeah. in the United States. I was about to say, that was CART. CART did yes. other races. But we'll start with IndyCar, and buddy, I'll pass the steering wheel back over to you. Okay. Your bold prediction for 2020 with IndyCar. My bold prediction, and here comes the first uh, name goof-up of the night, Simon Paginot, Paginot, if you will, uh, is going to have the most wins. Um, he definitely was in contention last year to have the most wins, which he still had three, um, but had mechanical failure in one while leading. Um, and then you can debate if it was his fault or not, a little running with willpower uh, on the wreck. Um, but had two, we'll just say two, taken away from him last year. But um, that's a strong team, and he's he is a driver that's really established himself as a man to beat. So um, I would say Pagano will be uh, the win leader. For next year that's a pretty good one mine's again i'm going debbie downer with my bold <laughs> predictions i'm gonna say it within the first four races we will have some kind of controversy that will happen with a penske driver and it will cause a twitter backlash a social media storm an unnecessary uproar because now roger owns the series and there's already been some of this and it's kind of just like Nah, I, I, I just, I just, these people just kill me. Cause like you and I both talked about on our, on our uh, a previous episode, how much we were glad that Roger Penske bought IndyCar and bought the Indianapolis motor speedway to give it a shot in the arm and give it some revitalization. But I'm thinking, I mean, something is going to go a Penske driver's way mm-hmm. that doesn't go an Andretti's way right. or a whoever else. And it's going to just cause a big old fuss and mess. And I'm going to hate that for, Hopefully Roger ain't got rabbit ears and it don't bug him, but it'll it'll bug me just because I'm such a Roger Penske fan. So <laughs> I know it's coming. It, it doesn't matter what level motorsport it is. If someone who is competing in the sport has any kind of role as admin or whatever, manager, whatever, 
something bad happens and causes controversy. And oh yeah, <laughs> and, and every every single sport has their conspiracy theorist, and they're just looking for that one thing to you know kind of prove the point that they have made up in their head. And whether it be true or not, that you're never going to make them all happy, and you're never going to make them all believe that's a fair and square fight. So. You know what? It's just like baseball. The coach's kid always plays short. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so it's not just racing. Exactly. But, uh, and he always bats lead off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Imagine that. That's right. All right. So what is your dark horse? Uh, my dark horse pick for next year as a champion contender is going to be Will Power. Uh, he won two of the last four races last year. Really came on strong. Um I, I think in motorsports, the way you finish one year can carry over into the next year. Um you know, they, they have a pretty long layoff, so, you know, it's not like some of these other sports where, you know, you're done, like NASCAR, you know, you're done in November and you're firing right back up in February. Uh, so you do have a lot more time for a lot of the other teams to kind of shore up their equipment and things like that. But um, just from, you know, the driver men the mentality standpoint of, okay, I finished off the year two or four, was contenders in the other two, you know, his confidence is up. I'm sure he can ride that through the off season and, you know, come out the gate swinging this year. So I'd like, I really think Will Power, you're going to see him winning more, but also I think he's also a very consistent driver and you will see him continuing for the championship towards the end of the year. Not bad. Not bad. I am going with a youngin, and you probably already know where I'm going. Colton Herta. Oh, yeah. I don't know if he'll win the championship, but I'm putting him as my dark horse just because, I mean, the kid had two wins. He finished seventh in points, despite the fact that, once again, kind of like Formula One, you don't have a lot of races. DNFs really hurt, mm -hmm. and he had seven of them. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, like what he could have done without seven <laughs> DNFs. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I mean, an incredible talent comes from good lineage, and the fact that now the team that he raced for has been absorbed into Andretti Autosport, which – I don't know what they have to like half the field. But, I mean, between them and Penske, that's pretty much your whole field right there. Yeah. But I just – he's one of those guys that he's got stats. Stats are fun. But just off the eyeball test, I love watching Colton Herta race. It's kind of like the same feeling I have watching Sheldon Haldenshield race in the World of Outlaws. Just to me, I love to watch him race. I love his talent. I think the sky's the limit for him. If he could just tidy up the DNFs. Yeah. Kind of like uh, Carlos Sainz in F1. Right. I just I see nothing but good things for Colton Herta, and I'm interested to see how the partnership with Andretti works. Does it make a difference, or does it not make a difference? Does he still go out there and have eight DNFs instead of seven? But uh, I'm keeping an especially close eye on Colton Herta. Also, it helps he won at my favorite track on the IndyCar. Second now, second favorite track on the IndyCar circuit, Laguna Seca. Oh, Number yeah. one is now Richmond since Richmond yes, is back, back, baby. Yes, I finally. love it. Yes. So Colton Herta's mine to watch out for. All or right. a dark horse, I should say. Okay. Um, my champion pick for the IndyCar is another one. He, until he uh, says so, he's going to be the man to beat, and that's going to be Joseph Newgarden. Uh, four wins in 2019. Um, they've just got everything together right now. Um I mean, the, just the consistency and all the everything else that it takes to that requires uh, to be a champion. But um, I mean, this guy just every every weekend, no matter the track, whether it's road course, street course, uh, an oval, he's just he's the man, and he's he's not. If he does have a weak track or a weak area, he's still smart enough to get that car into the top ten. Yeah. And um, I think uh, I think Joseph Newgarden's going to be a champion once again. That's a tough one. I actually disagree with you on this one. I'm going Alexander Rossi. Okay. 
I've just there's been steady improvement since he came in in 2016. He won. He's got five wins in the last two years, 15 podiums, which I think to me actually means more than the wins because that shows more consistency to get into that top three. He's one of those guys that actually, when I looked on Racing Reference, his average finish has gotten better every year. It's it's gotten lower, so that's a good thing. And I think if if Rossi can pull it off, I actually was astounded by this. I did some homework on this. This will be the first time since 2002 that there's been back-to-back American-born champions. Last year's to do it was 2000, Buddy Lazier wins, 2001 and 02, Sam Hornish. So that's technically three years in a row, but back-to-back Americans. Last year, Joseph Newgarden wins it. He's American-born. Nothing against. This is this, not anything negative by any means, but I think uh, Alexander Rossi puts the Napa, puts some Napa know-how up there and gets the championship. But I'm overall, I'm just looking forward to seeing the changes that come to IndyCar. And, and we probably won't see most of them until 2021 after Penske's kind of had a full year and offseason of owning the series. But um, just hoping to see this thing get more traction and get 25-plus cars out there on a regular basis for races that are not the Indy 500. I think, I think with uh, Penske being behind it, I, I really think he's going to invest a lot in the sport and – we're going to see some major swings and some major changes. Um, I mean, we're already seeing some small stuff, you know, with Richmond, like we said, coming back uh, with him taking over Indy. That's already, you know, the biggest race. But I'm also curious to see what he does with that because there's still some things, you know, on the fan side that you can bring in uh, to tie into that and make that event even bigger if that's possible. So I'm for first time in a very long time, I'm excited to, about the IndyCar and seeing how, what the future holds. Now, we're going to get off the asphalt, and we're going to go to dirt. The top three, arguably the top three series in dirt, are the World of Outlaws Sprint Cars and the World of Outlaws Late Models and the Lucas Oil Late Models. Depending on your point of view, which late model series is higher, I think both of us lean toward Lucas Oil as far as at least star power is going, but still two national tours, which is a blessing. But we'll go Sprint Cars first, since it is the premier level sprint car racing. There is no question World of Outlaws, Nas Energy Drink Sprint Cars are the premier level of that sport. What is your – well, actually, did I just make you go first? <laughs> Don't matter. You know what? I'll go first. All right. Bold prediction, World of Outlaws. And and this one's kind of – these were a little tougher for me because there are only so many guys that make all the starts. It is a lot of starts. Mm-hmm. So unlike NASCAR and IndyCar and Formula One where you can kind of see – you kind of know who's going to be there the whole time, with especially with the World of Outlaws sprints. There's only so many guys that are going to make every race. I'm going to say it. Jacob Allen is going to finally get a win. And I, I know I just took the bullet out of your gun. But <laughs> Jacob Allen, I mean, gosh, you can't help but love the guy. He can't get through his speech at the banquet without crying. <laughs> you know how bad he wants to win. He's been so close. I think uh, he's going to finally break through. He's going to ball like a baby. Johnny's going to have a hard time interviewing him because he's going to be crying like crazy. But – uh, I think it's it's going to be a it's going to be a great thing. You're going to see all those guys come congratulate him, unless he just doors them and knocks them off the track. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Jacob Allen finally going to get him a checkered flag. Well, my not so bull prediction now <laughs> is uh, Jacob Allen will have multiple wins. So oh. co- coming into this year, he he has zero wins. He has literally been leading on the white flag lap and has not won the race. This past year in 2019, he was leading by a straightaway with three to go. 
mechanical failure. I mean, he is just all over it. He has the team, he has the equipment, you know, the massive amount of tracks that they go to. There's several that are in his wheelhouse and his driving style. The opportunities will be there. And I say we will see Jacob Allen finish this year with more than one win. Okay. Okay. Sorry to take your thunder That's there. That's all good. Uh, my dark horse. Actually, I didn't even say where World of Outlaws starts, but I'll get to that later. Okay. Uh, dark horse prediction, Logan Schuhart. Takes David Gravel's spot in the top three, and I will take it also a step further. He hangs closer for the title between Sweet and Shots. And I know, I know, I know I'm, I'm probably taking some of your thunder, but there's only so many guys that, that run the full season. But Logan Schuhart, I think if you needed any other reason to have faith in Logan Schuhart, go back and watch the Kings Royal. Watch his drive. Watch just his raw ability on 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 display and he didn't win the race but just if you just go off the eyeball test you're like my god i mean logan Schuhart is an amazing driver and david gravel's not going to be there this year he's he's going to miss races because he's trying to get into nascar on a part-time schedule so he will miss points races he won't be a title contender missing races but uh i think Schuhart slides right into his spot and i wouldn't be surprised if Schuhart got Top two, or, or did sneak up there and win it? Uh, my dark horse is Logan Schuhart. <laughs> and uh, I, that uh, shark racing team with Drydine, the amount of money Drydine's pumping into uh, motorsports in general, but into the dirt stuff, they, they're finally on par with, you know, TSR and uh, with KKR on equipment, motors, things like that. Uh, last year, you saw him double his his career win total, eight wins last year. Um, and the year prior to that, he only had two in 2018. So he's obviously becoming better as a driver. He has the better equipment to allow him to be a contender. And another thing you're seeing with Shuhart is you're seeing him win on a variety of different style tracks. He, he used to be, his wheelhouse was the bigger tracks, your four tenths, your half miles. But now you're seeing him starting to win on some of these smaller tracks, these bull rings. Um, he's a, a very consistent driver. And um, like I said, the equipment's there, and I would not be surprised to see him sneak in the top three. And and I, I wouldn't put it past you know battling for the championship there at the end of the year. So we get to the champion. Now I'm going to be real interested. We, we've, we've copied each other <laughs> twice now. We didn't talk about this before we got here, so this is pure coincidental. But uh, my champion for 2020, big no big surprise here. Donnie Schatz gets title number 11. And I think the real reason this gives me confidence is because Listen to all the Open Red podcasts and talking to people that I, I know with the world of outlaws and stuff. They all echo the same thing, and that is no one hates to lose more than Donnie shots. And Donnie had some curveballs thrown at him last year. They decided to implement that new Ford engine during the season, which I'm sure he even said on open on on the Open Red podcast that. I mean, eh, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, tr- I'm trying to, I'm fighting off Brad Sweet here. Yeah, exactly. And he's tough. A big swing. I think you give them that full off season. Ford is putting so much money in all this racing that, you know, they're going to make sure that Donnie is up to snuff. He's got what he needs. The full off season to be ready for it. Donnie can finally test with the engine. You know, a little bit more than he got to last year when he was so busy racing and stuff. I think. Donnie continues his his dominance of the series, gets his 11th title. I think it's another close points battle unless Brad Sweet decides to go walk on the moon instead of showing up at races. I think it's another close one, but Donnie uh, gets his 11th championship. 
I will say your champion uh, for the sprint cars this year will be Brad Sweet. I do. I think he's going to go back to back um, twice in the history of the sport. Uh, have you had a driver not named Shots or Kinzer go back to back after you know winning the first one? Uh, that being Sammy Swindell and Jason Myers and um, Brad Sweet. The KKR and TSR are definitely neck and neck, as we saw this past year um, with the equipment. Brad Sweet has etched his name as the second best driver, I would say. Uh, Donnie Schatz is still the man to beat, but Sweet is definitely the solid number two right now. Um, I think he saw last year what it takes to win a championship. He There were several, several that last five-race stretch uh, especially at Williams Grove, to where he could have very easily faltered and just caved under the pressure. Charlotte, even at Charlotte on that Friday night, you know, he has a, if you want to call it a cushion, a six-point cushion, and has a good race, but still gets beat uh, by shots. You go into the final race with two points. Very easy for anybody just to goof it up, try too hard or whatever. And in that final race, Shots gets by him twice in that race, and he was just—he was smart. He didn't push the issue. Got back by Donnie to uh, win the championship. So I think he—he he has taken that next step to where he is now going to be the man to beat. Um, the only Donnie Shots again, the, the best driver in the series. The only holdup I have with Shots, and this is not a knock on Ford, is with the new engine. We saw it for a handful of races, but. Is, is there enough testing? Is there enough behind it to where it can handle 90 races a year? It's a lot of racing. That's a lot of races. tune-ups. And, and can it handle the quarter-mile bullring with the big sprawling half-mile? Um, I, I don't know uh, if anybody outside of TSR is running that Ford engine or is committed to it full-time. So that's another thing. Is I got a feeling they're all waiting and watching. Exactly. I don't think they're all convinced yet. Exactly. And anytime it's something new, Especially in racing, all right, let's see this thing pan out. And then once we see it pan out, then everybody's going to be on it. You know, you see that with chassis and different things like that. So Absolutely. I think the other thing, there's, there's a lot of things to look forward to, but I couldn't put them in this box for our show because a lot of them aren't World of Outlaws Center. Like some of the guys that are going to run All-Stars or, uh, you know, how Brett Marks is going to do with CJB. Uh, motorsports going over to that ride. So there, there's a lot of things happening in 410 sprint car racing. It's just I had to we, we had to try to box them into the series specific. I think that's where we kind of got a little on top of each other right. just because a lot of it, you, you know, and some people are going to drop off the tour. That's a, that's, that is a hard tour, man. It's the toughest one out there, in my opinion. 90-some races, man, and all over the country. You're going to California twice, back and forth from the East Coast. You're hitting up you know, pretty all points in between. That's a tough travel one. And World of Outlaw Sprints starts their season off February the 7th with the Dirt Car Nationals at Volusia Speedway Park. So that's where you can catch them. Now, we'll put fenders back on it for the last two of this one, and we will go Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series, which actually starts January 30th. The Super Bowl of Racing at Golden Isle Speedway in Brunswick, Georgia, it kind of kicks off their speed weeks where they go Golden Isles, then they go to East Bay, and then Alltech. And I think, isn't this the last year of East Bay? East Bay's got three more years. I three more. It, the, it's got a timer on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So that's going to be a big shakeup when that happens. But Lucas All Lake Models, bold prediction. Buddy Payne, you start us off, sir. My bold prediction is that we're going to see the squirrel Brian Shirley stay on the tour. Um, 
and I believe he will have the second most wins on the tour. That's pretty bold. That is very bold. He usually doesn't stick with exactly. it. Exactly. He, he usually um, – he's never tried to look sore, but a couple of times he's attempted the World Outlaws, and usually around that April, May, you see him fall off, and then he goes to his bread and butter with the Hill, the Hill Tour. tour. Um, but I think this year he has got – the equipment is there. Uh, you know, the Cullens are definitely putting the money behind it, and they want to succeed, and they want to be on that national level. Um they just wrapped up the Wild West Shootout, and he's Wild West Shootout. There was four national, no five national tour guys out there, and he wins three of the six races. Gets a bonus, uh, the ten grand bonus there. Um, did he win the points? Or was he did Shepherd? not. Uh, B Shep got the points, but Shepard always wins the points. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but, we'll get the World Outlaws in a second. <laughs> uh, but Shirley, I mean Shirley, put put together, strung together uh, a very good. That's just a small sample size, officer. You know, you got the same track, so setups and stuff aren't too crazy different. Um, but I think starting the year off, he's a big momentum guy. And that's usually why he falls off the tour is because he has a couple bad weeks in a row, uh, tears up some equipment or whatever the case may be, and he just gets down and, all right, I need to go somewhere where I can make some money. Now that money's not as big of a factor and he's starting the year off strong and has some wins already under his belt, has some money already underneath his belt, I think we're going to see him stick it out. And with the driver's shakeup on the Lucas Oil Tour, and they're going to be hitting a lot of tracks that he does have laps on. It's kind of rare uh, for a first-time driver on the tour. Uh, I think you're going to see him crank off the second most amount of wins i'm glad you went positive because i went negative again with my bold prediction i'm just man i I need more sleep uh my bold prediction unfortunately is a winless season for josh richards again kind of like i did with haas on f1 i have just not seen a lot to be excited about and i think we both agree it is not the talent josh richards has the talent josh richards is one of those talented drivers to grace Dirt Lake Model Racing, whether it's World of Outlaws, Lucas Oil, he is he has got it between the the problem ain't between the steering wheel and the seat. Right. Josh is fine. He's in rocket chassis. There is just some kind of I don't know if it's a black cloud or what over Boyer Racing, and I hate that it's there because I I wish I like seeing people like Clint Boyer in the sport, and I like you know they had that I think the last title that run they had was Don O'Neill with Lucas Oil. Mm-hmm. But they just—they have been on a struggle. They bring Daryl Lanigan in in the Club 29s, and they just continue to struggle. They have problems and whatnot there. Um, the performance is down. Josh comes over there last year. I think he only ends up winning one race on the Lucas Old Tour in 2019. Hoping that I'm wrong on this. Hoping that Josh Richards has a great season in 2020 and that Boyer Dirt can get back on track. But until they do so, I have very little faith. I don't. I just. I don't see it getting any better. I see it getting worse before it gets better. I see Josh running another season there, struggling, not getting the results that he is accustomed to. The results that his talent can definitely get, and I just. I see a winless season for Josh Richards, and I probably see the end of his partnership with Clint Boyer's uh, team, and they're going to have to figure out what direction to go to with that program because they just continue to to slide around and they switch chassis, and it just it doesn't it doesn't it just seems like they've kind of fallen off the wagon and they just haven't gotten back up yet. Because I mean, Lanigan struggled with them terribly, and he's he's a very talented guy as well. Yeah, that's that that one's just an enigma there why it hasn't worked out with Clint Boyer. I mean, you've 
Jonathan Davenport when he's driving for them, an extreme talent even at that age. You know, he was a little more wild driver, but extreme talent. Money, they're not hurting for money. They're not hurting for, you know, the equipment. But there's just something, I don't know if it's with who's making the decisions on the adjustments of the car or, or what, but there's just something. And we've seen it with different drivers. Yes, Don Neal won a championship, but he labored for that championship. And if it wasn't for Jimmy Owens having bad luck that year, he would not have won that championship, or Scott Blomquist as well. Uh, that was a three-horse race then. Uh, Josh Richards, I mean, hands down, you know, top five driver we've probably seen in our lifetime on in the dirt late model. And – one win last one year. One win. I mean, that's ridiculous. And you put him in the blue number one, he's that's winning plenty. everything. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they're, you know, the the chassis changes from Rocket and Club 29 and all this other stuff. I don't know if it's – that that was just crazy because, like, the pieces are there, but for whatever reason, they're not fitting. Yep. The Jims and Joes are not working. Yes. So, Dark Horse for Lucas Oil Lake Models in 2020, buddy. Dark Horse. Uh, this is going to be a Dark Horse champion pick. Is going to be Mr. Jimmy Owens, the O Show. Jimmy Owens, last year, you saw hints of that dominance back. Um, more mechanical failures than anything else last year is what kept him out of being a true contender uh, throughout the whole year. But when he was on, man, he was on. And from qualifying, uh, he's always been a good heat racer, but his qualifying program definitely stepped up last year. Saw a few quick times uh, back in the win column a little more consistently. I don't know if you'll ever see him like in that stretch, that two, three-year stretch when he was running for the, the Bloomquist car. Uh, but I think we're, you're starting to see you're starting to see some some glimpses of it. You, like I said last year, you did um, back on the big stage, and, and it was so stinking close in a lot of these races, and just something happened. So I think uh, their equipment is sured up this year. Um, the talent's most definitely there, and I think you're going to see him contending for the championship. That's a good one. I am actually going with a familiar name back in a familiar place, Devin Moran. Back with Ty Twarig, and I probably just butchered his name. <laughs> I'm sorry, Ty. Twarig. <laughs> Twarig. <laughs> there we go. But I love that pairing. They had so much success. And I understand why Devin went to Dunn Benson. And I think Ty, even though in the Dirt on Dirt article, it sounded like he expressed some frustration, but he also expressed some understanding of why he went to do it. Results didn't work out. That Dunn Benson team has just kind of – Kind of like the Boyer team, kind of been on the downslope more than the upslope. Mm -hmm. See that with evidence of their alumni, Earl Pearson Jr., finding success at Black Diamond where he struggled at Dunn Benson the second time around. But uh, I just – I love Devin Moran's talent. He's a good racer. He's a solid racer. Comes from good stock. And another guy that even though he's got a lot of talent and will – he's a young guy, he'll, he'll put it on the top if he needs to. He's also another guy that can take care of equipment. And when you race as much as Lucas Oil, even though they have, I think they did drop two races, I think, from their schedule for this year. But it's still, I think, 56 races. So that's a lot of races, a lot of back-to-backs where you've got to have equipment make it through two, three weeks away from the shop. Devin Moran knows how to do that. He knows how to win. And I think he's got a great owner who probably wants to try to go out with a bang. I think he wants to kind of move move toward the exit. Maybe a championship keeps him in, but 
I just, uh, I just, I love Devin Moran for my dark horse. That combination worked out pretty good too when they followed the World Outlaw series, and um, you saw Moran, you know, get his first win. And I'm just, I'm really glad that somebody did step in and pick him up because he, Devin Moran's a talent that needs to be on the tour. And I would have hated to see him drop back to doing regional stuff, and, you know, hitting the big shows here and there. Um, and with the the driver pool shakeup, Luke Soul really did need to kind of shore up some of those, you know, lower spots if you, you know, no disrespect, but uh, you got to have those those consistent guys that, yeah, we, we may not be winning each week, but, you know, you still have to deal with us. And Devin Rand's just a, a phenomenal young talent. And also to close on that, there's a hole to fill since the zero is not there. Exactly. Since Bloomquist is on World of Outlaws, there's a hole to fill there on a weekly basis. Devin Moran could be one of those guys. Could be. So who's your champion? Champion, he's done when he says he's done. Jonathan Davenport is going to be your champion. He's your uh, top talent right now. Him and Brandon Shepard, you know, those those are the guys to beat uh, on their respective tours and just in Dirt Lake Mall racing in general. Uh, he has the best equipment. He's the driving talents there. Uh, he's an established champion now, multiple you know multiple multiple time champion. Um, so I, I don't see a reason why he should not repeat. Um, with with Bloomquist not being there full time, which obviously he didn't get to run full time last year with the uh, leg injury, even with Bloomquist running full time, I don't know if he could have even you know I, I, he would have gave him a, a run for the money. But Davenport's consistency is unmatched on there. Um, if he's not winning, he's on the podium. Um, with as far as the newcomers, you know Shane Clanton. I don't think it's going to take a year or two for him because he is hitting, he's one of the rare drivers that is hitting some tracks that he's not accustomed to. And I really don't see anyone else on that roster outside of maybe uh, Jimmy Owens that can match him toe-to-toe every night for 56 races. We actually disagree. Okay. I'm going with T-Mac. Okay. I'm going with Tim McCready. And I know uh, he's been close. I should say he's been close in the point standings, and then when you looked at the points, it's been a pretty wide gap. Davenport has definitely been the best points racer. He's he's gotten wins, but the best thing Davenport's done, he's been most consistent. Mm-hmm. I think T Mac. I think he's he's got new ownership. He's you know he's had a year to kind of work out. So I think he was kind of the test dummy with Bill Steen kind of getting back into this industry, and he's not the only guy out there on Bill Steen's. But I think he was kind of like the 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 hamster getting the vaccine before they send it to the drugstore. But I think they've gotten a year of that new ownership while on paper that says one thing, I think behind the scenes, it's going to make a difference because so many of these races they would talk about on dirt on dirt or whatever pay-per-view had it where like it was just team acting one of the guy. Right. I think he's going to be able to get something behind the scenes that he hasn't had. Um, he's good in the longhorn. He's shown with uh, with Kevin Rumley when he got when he gets in the six car. He's shown why he is on that level, why he belongs on that level, and nothing against Davenport, but I just I see maybe him slipping a little bit and maybe T Mac filling in there and just being more consistent. So I take T Mac, but I I think Davenport will be right on his heels. Going to be exciting to see though. Now. World of Outlaws, Morton Buildings Late Models, who actually have already started their season. They're yeah. the only group here. They started uh, January 3rd through the 5th. They went down to New Mexico and raced at Vado Speedway Park. I'll be interested to see if that comes back next year because, man, that was early. That was a to be points racing, but that was a beautiful track. facility. Beautiful, beautiful <laughs> facility. I think what will help them is if they time it 
uh, a little bit better with the Wild West shootout in Arizona. That will encourage some of the other drivers. But uh, the average car count was 40, 41, something like that. So a strong contingent of cars uh, there, and there really wasn't too many slack, slackers there. Um, you had a few non-touring guys show up that was kind of unexpected, like uh, Brian Shirley. Um, but yeah, beautiful track, and I even if they don't start the year there, I really hope that they keep that one on the tour. Yeah, so the schedule. Uh, we'll go bold prediction, and I will actually kick this one off. Unlike the last, um, maybe the last couple of years, uh, where Brandon Shepard could have just uh, shown up in a wheelchair and claimed <laughs> the title, I think this year he's going to finally. It's going to finally have to come down to his final weekend. Um, I think. I think the crowd, you're going to see some crowd catch up to that blue number one. Still the best team in dirt late model racing, but I think you see people get closer. I think uh, the main one that gets closer is the zero M of Chris Madden. Chris Madden is was arguably the hottest driver second half of the season in dirt late model racing. His style matches up. When, when you have a driver's style match, the chassis builder's style as perfectly as Chris Madden's does with Bloomquist race cars, I mean, I say the the saying is recipe for disaster, but that's just a recipe for success. And that level of trust that Madden and Bloomquist have because of so many years, I think if Chris ever had a suggestion, I don't think Scott would ever even question. He'd just be like, <laughs> all right, it needs to be done. Because yeah. there's just that level of trust. And not that, I mean, Shepard obviously would have that with Richards, but now you have another version of that with Madden. So I think it, I think it bold prediction is that Shepard can't run away with the title. He's going to have to fight for it all the way to the finish. There you go. Uh, my bold prediction is that, and this may not sound like a bold prediction at first, but that there will be more rocket chassis wins than there will be team zero wins. Sweet Blunka's chassis wins. Now, obviously that doesn't sound like that bold of a prediction, but you have to think when it comes to your full-time guys, on the tour that run Rocket Chassis, you've got Dennis Sir, Blake Spencer, uh, Brandon Shepard, obviously, and Chase Younghands. No disrespect, but of those four, Brandon Shepard, obviously, the class of that field, Chase Younghands might sneak in a win or two. So pretty much they're relying heavily on Brandon Shepard when it comes to chassis wins. And for the Sweet Blunquist, you have Smokey Madden, you have Scott himself, and then you have Ricky Weiss. Three very, very uh, prominent drivers that can win anywhere, any week. Um, that are following the tour that full time. The tour, that yes. We're not. I don't think we're factoring in regional guys like yeah, a, like yeah. a McDowell that will come in exactly. when they run in Georgia. Or exactly. Whatever. But that's a very very heavy three versus you know a very top heavy uh, one there for the Rocket guys. But I still think um, Brandon Shepard, obviously you know defending champion, he's the man to beat. And I think at the end of the year we will see more more rocket chassis wins versus uh, Sweet Blunquist wins. Hey, I, I tell you what, they definitely are doing the best business of anybody in dirt late model racing. Absolutely. Longhorn's probably right there near mm -hmm. them, but man, you ain't. You could go to Podunk, Raceway Motorsports Park, <laughs> Hair Care, and find a rocket chassis. That's right. Uh, Dark Horse, I'm actually going to go with the Bluegrass Bandit Daryl Lanigan, and not for maybe a reason that most people would think I'm purely going it just because now it was announced over the off season that he's not going to do the club 29 anymore. It just didn't work out for whatever reason he's driving what is called the Barry Wright house car ish. It's, it's not a typical house car program. Like I think everybody, when everybody thinks house car program program, they think of the rocket one. Yeah. 
it's not the way Longhorn does it, and it's not the way Barry's going to do it. But I think Daryl not having that Club 29 burden, or I shouldn't say burden, responsibility on his back, I think it actually makes more of a difference than people think. It'd kind of be the equivalent of if you were working a full-time job plus like two part-time jobs, you take away those part-time jobs where you can fully focus on just one thing, even if your spare time is spent like relaxing at the house or chilling, you come to work in a better mood. You don't have as many, your phone's not blowing up as much. You don't have as much, you know, anxiety on your back about, I got to make sure this guy, this guy, and this guy are having good performances because they're customers. I know he's still going to service the guys that are out there, but I think having that responsibility off his back will only help his performance because as much as the car is a part of it, it's a people person sport. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, not having that responsibility on him helps Daryl Lanigan, who has proven over time he's got the talent to run with anybody. A key factor you see amongst all the great drivers is their ability to focus. So when you have all this other, this whole entire side business going on, which is a full-time gig in itself, um, you're not able to focus 100% on your own stuff, on driving, on track. I, you know, I can't get out to see what the how the tracks change. Are they reworking it for the feature? You know, he, he's just scattered way has been scattered. You know, way too broad there. So when he can zero in and focus on driving this car, this track for 50 laps, uh, Daryl again, the talent's there. So now you get that focus to match the talent, and that kind of speaks to the T Mac thing now uh, that you were talking about earlier. Is you know with two, three guys at most at the track. You know, T-Mac's not able to go look and see what the track's doing because he's prepping his own tires. Yep. He's I, So many times walking through the pit area, you see him climbed over in the engine bay, you know, adjusting carburetors, doing thing, doing this and that. And everybody else is on four-wheelers. Yeah, on All four-wheelers the drivers watching, are up on four-wheelers yeah, watching, watching the, the track. watching the support division or something like that. So another thing, now with that help, T-Mac can focus, and T-Mac, a uh, focused T-Mac is a scary T-Mac. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, my dark horse uh, for the Outlaw Late Models is going to be uh, Ricky Weiss uh, as a champion. Last year, um, I would say he was probably the closest competition to Brandon Shepard. I know he did not finish second in points, so it doesn't make sense. But um, as far as week in, week out, Ricky really – just made strides throughout the year, but uh, I mean, 12 podium finishes without a single win. That's crazy to think about. 12 podiums without a single win. Uh, he's already clicked off a win this year, which is a big boost for him. Um, the kid's just amazing just to watch him with what little experience he does have. Uh, last year, rookie, you know, rookie out on the tour, you know, probably 75, 80% of these tracks he's never even been to, and he's in contention every single night. Um, I think uh, the, the and he doesn't wreck a lot. He does not wreck a lot. He takes care of his own equipment, uh, so the consistency's there. He's a level-headed driver. He does not force the issue like you see a lot of young guys, Bobby Pierce. So, <laughs> uh, and That's true, though. That's it, true. It's true. And then now you've got the boss man, the builder of the car, is going to be in the pits right beside you. So instead of you know trying to jump on the phone, hey, you know, what do you think I should do here or there? You know they're going to be bouncing ideas off each other, and he's he's very he's very humble to where he'll he'll sit down and listen to someone else versus well I'm going to do my own thing, and then you see him putting it in the fence, and he's you know DNFing. So I think Ricky the the pieces are there for Ricky. If not this year, I would say within three years we're going to see him as a champion. It makes a world of difference, and it doesn't even have to be racing. It could just be anything, just to have that person of experience because 
they can be up looking at, say, like when they go to Lancaster for World of Outlaws. And Ricky's got a fair idea as a good touring driver of what he needs and what he needs to do. He's looking at Lancaster. He's seeing how they're prepping it or how the track's wearing. He might be thinking one thing in his head, but Scott Bloomquist or Chris Madden's sitting there, and he's like, what do you think? And they say something that maybe he wasn't even thinking, and mm-hmm. he's like, you know, I didn't think about that, but that's a great idea. And that's just a spitballing hypothetical idea. You could apply it to any aspect Absolutely. of life. Yep. Sit around with your dad and ask him questions. That's right. You'll hear, uh, well, you, you might not always get great advice, <laughs> but you might get, you'll get a perspective that is not yours. And that is how you grow. You can always learn something from them, even if it's learning what not, what not to, to do. do. Yep. <laughs> now we get to the championship and I have to go. I don't, what was that saying you had earlier? Uh, until someone beats him, Brandon Shepard, the Rocket number one. He's an incredible talent. He's with the best team. The Rocket house car has not slacked off at all. He continued that kind of run with the Wild West shootout. He had a good showing at Vado. Didn't win any races, but he was at least up there. And I know there's some controversy about this rule change that World of Outlaws put in if they put it in because the Rocket won. Didn't win a race. I I honestly don't think that was it. I think I believe the people that are telling me that they handed out this rule change at Votto, not after Votto. It was distributed to the public right. after Votto. I I I tend to believe common sense more than crazy Facebook posts. But I think even with that, until he's knocked off his podium, until the Rocket House car gets brought back down to earth. Uh, they're the class to beat, and Brandon Shepard's the driver to do it. I think he wins another championship and just continues his dominance. Way to go out on a limb there, Tyler. I'm sorry, uh, man. I had to be honest. That was the problem. Oh, yeah. No, that's obviously the easy pick. Um, my my champion, and I, and I really, truly do believe this, the champion for the Outlaw Lane Laws this year is going to be Smokey Madden. I think everything is finally – there for him to finally just take that one next step. Uh, we saw him get extremely close when he was running the Longhorn. We saw him come down to the last race, or last weekend at least, at Charlotte when he was running for Barry Wright. Um, but now, you know, to attest what you said earlier, you got the right driver with the right chassis that is made for that driver. You've got the resources. You've got the money from Dryden. You've got, you know, one of your best friends and compadres there with Scott with you every single night. Um, I've seen in interviews with both of those guys to where they'll go testing, you know, and Scott with his leg, he can't handle but so many laps. Chris will get in the car, he'll put his seat insert, they'll change the throttle linkage, and that is it. And Chris will go out there and find whatever needs to be done or, or whatever he feels. They make a few different changes. Scott gets back in the car, he's like, Perfect. That's exactly what I would have done. Yep. I mean, that they are so in tune with each other, and that's so, so rare to find in, with all the variables in dirt track and how you approach and attack a racetrack. It's so rare to find two guys that are that scarily, that close to the same in their driving style. Uh, Chris is a smart driver. Uh, as far as, you know, he's not going to force issues and tear up equipment. Um, he, now, he's, he, he's one of those that I'll race you like you race me. If, yeah. if he gives you room, he's going to give you room. But if you rub fenders, he's going to rub fenders with you as well. And you need a little bit of that 
to you win the championship. You got to have a little nasty. You can't be Mark Martin and 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 pass me, and and I'll be fine with my fourth place finish. No. You know, you have to have a little bit of grit. Now, it, it's a little bit. You can't go over the top and knocking dudes out the way, and. And Madden's not that guy. and He's also one of the toughest guys to pass. If he's you, a very you, tough guy. If you watch him on Dirt Vision, especially I noticed it a really a lot at these uh, extreme races they've had over the offseason, where it's not that Chris is necessarily cutting you off, cutting across your nose, but he hears you out there, and he's smart enough with his car control that he is if, – if you just try to stay in your groove – that Chris passed you on, he's he's really tough to pass. He is he's good at making a car wide, and if that car is seventy inches wide, he's going to leave you seventy and a half inches to pass him. Yeah. So you know you got to you got to bolt up if you're going to get by him. And, and another driving style, Chris, where he does stand out is if he needs to go to the cushion, he ain't afraid to go up there. You're not going to see that with Blumquist. If Blumquist is running the top, that means there's a caution. Yeah. <laughs> Bloomer's not a, he's not, not a top guy. You're no not going to see him on the top. Ricky will a little bit, but man, if, if I need to bang the cushion, he'll bang the cushion, but you're usually going to see him in that middle of the low groove. But I just think all the pieces are there. He's been there. He's tasted it. Just hasn't been able to sit down and feast on it. I think this is going to be the year. Well, the good thing to come out of all this with, there's a lot of racing to look forward to. There's there's racing that's already been on. Um, just looking forward to it. Be interesting to see how all these storylines play out. There's some things we're looking forward to coming down the road, but um, also the fact that you got 10 million streaming services out that's there. Right. That's right. We can watch more racing on TV than we ever have before. I know I'm, as a fan, I've backed down my announcing schedule a ton where I'm just going to go watch racing more. And there's... There's a lot more we're looking forward to. I know, you know, there's IMSA, there's road course racing. I'm looking forward to, I know you'll frown at me when I say this. I'm looking forward to going to Bowman Gray, going to 311, going to With, um, going to A Speedway a couple times, and just being out there and being a race fan a little bit more. So I'm I'm really looking forward to 2020. Yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, parodies, a lot of change. Um a lot of excitement, you know, behind from the local stuff, you know, the things that you're seeing at A Speedway, they've already released their schedule, got some big stuff coming out. Uh, to some of you, know, a couple hours away, you got the IndyCar back at Richmond, you've got uh, three big races at Virginia Motor Speedway this year. Um, you know, we've got national tours coming up through here of all types. You know, it's, it's a very exciting year. And really hoping that the weather cooperates yes. with us this year. Because last year, oh. my goodness, it, we saw more <laughs> rain jobs than we saw laps. But uh, if the weather cooperates, it's a great opportunity. If you're a fan of one or all of these things, go go check it out and, and, and give it a shot. If, you, if you've never seen you know a dirt lake model or an asphalt modified, go give it a shot and check it out and keep up with it and, and hold us to it at the end of the year see how close we were on some of these predictions. Well, buddy, you told me uh, before I even got here, you had a, you had a non-scripting question you <laughs> yes. wanted to ask me. If we just had time. Uh, yeah. This is uh, kind of some pretty big news and notes in the 410 Sprint Car world. Uh, two weeks ago, uh, the All-Star Circuit of Tran Champions, uh, Tony Stewart's deal, announced a very large purse increase uh, for the championship fund. Now, this being more of a regional local tour, you usually don't have somebody, multiple teams follow every single race yeah. uh, usually have really about three to five really it's going to show up to every single race this past year we had a great points battle that came down to you know the final three or four races so with the more overall points fund and your winner your champion now is making sixty five thousand dollars which is extremely impressive for good. a tour that mostly stays in ohio and pennsylvania aaron reitzel has had a lock on that tour 
And, you know, there's been some rumors about, you know, year or two he's going to be jumping on the Outlaw Tour. But do you foresee any driver now with the more incentive money, do you foresee any driver that can unseat him from that championship? Ian Madsen. Okay. I think Ian's decision to drop down to All-Star was it, – it didn't it didn't catch me by surprise because these guys, they need – for their psyche, they need to win. And, and also for their operating budget, they need to win more than they run 12. Right. And – I got a lot of confidence in Ian's ability. Uh, I think he's he's still hooked up with the same sponsor. I think they're just as a team decision. They decided to just go run All Star. Reitzel's incredible, and he was. He, I had fun watching him at the Chili Bowl. But uh, I I I think you see Ian Madsen. He gets the confidence back. He wins more. Um, it's it's not. It's 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 quite a difference, but it's not that big a difference. I don't want to make too big of a gap as far as talent goes, because there's talented guys on the All Stars, right. just like it is World of Outlaws, but it is a different level. Um, I'll go with Ian Madsen. I, okay. I, I got a lot of I got a lot of confidence in that Australian. Okay, I was curious what your take was on that. <laughs> I, personally, I think uh, if he does decide, he hasn't 100% committed to it yet. But if he decides to follow the tour, I think Corey Lawson is going to be the one that can run with him. Corey, I think, finished third in the points last year because Dale Blaney finished second. Um, Dale hasn't shored up that ride yet. So I think if we're going to see somebody on seat him, Corey Lawson, a good young talent. Uh, him and Wright, so I, I think we'll see on the, the big boy tour within about three to five years. Yeah. And uh, that's a good talent pool right there. I was about to say, I think, I think the only thing Reitzel said was holding his back was uh, his, I think he has kids right. that are not quite in, in grade school yet. So that's perfectly understandable. Of course. Some things more important in racing, but Very man, I, I cannot wait to see the day that Aaron Reitzel's on the World Outlaws. That is going to be like – Throwing another all-star in there with the 96 Bulls. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we saw him at Eldora in Knoxville this year lead some laps against the, the best and the best. So I think the talent's there, the confidence is there. I, I'm, that's going to be a big year when that finally does happen. All right, bud. Well, appreciate it as always, brother. Absolutely. We, we can friend. let your dog back in the that's house right. now. <laughs> Thank you for listening to yet another edition of the Half Price Concessions podcast. From the bottom of our hearts, we sincerely appreciate you taking the time to listen to this episode or any of the episodes we've put out. Do us a favor and hit the subscribe button if you listen to this podcast on a podcast app. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, Himalaya, Castro, Overcast, and Pocket Casts. So whichever app you listen to us on, hit the subscribe button. Leave us a rate and review. It helps us out a ton. It really, really does. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter at HPC Podcast. And also find us on Facebook by searching for The Half Price Concessions Podcast. You can also find all of our episodes on our website, www.anchor.fm slash HPC Podcast. Thank you for listening, and I hope that you have a great day.